Good morning, Gateway. It's great to see everybody this morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Beautiful, sunshiny day. I want to welcome everybody and those that are in the gymnasium. And for those at home, we want to welcome you as well to join with us in worship today. A uh, little list of announcements here. Going to try to go through them a little quickly for us. Uh, first off, we get to celebrate communion this morning and partake together um, at the end of our service today. Uh, the elements are before you in your chair. And if you don't see one just in front of you, underneath the chair in front of you, we have some over here uh, under the baptismal and some in the back um, on a stool. We also have gluten-free wafers for those that may need that. And for those of you in the gym behind you on the table, you will see the elements there as well. Uh, just a final reminder, kids, first graders through fourth grade, next week, kids' worship resumes. Um, so right after the offertory of prayer, the doors here will open. Uh, the first through fourth graders will leave and go to the gym area to uh, have their kids worship during the sermon. We're very excited about that kicking back off. A uh, very special opportunity next Sunday night. We're in the rotation of every other prayer, uh, Sunday for prayer at night here at 4 p.m. in the sanctuary. And we're going to really emphasize, guys, this week, as it says, to have a prayer gathering of reflection, lament, and hope. Uh, we went through a very difficult time in 2020 for in many different facets. Uh, with loss and tragedy and, you know, with people, loved ones even passing away. Obviously, with uh, the grief and the loss that we've experienced as a church family at the end of the summer and early fall uh, with things that went on there and just, just having a time to really grieve and to pray through those things and offer it to the Lord. So we're going to emphasize that next Sunday night here at 4 p.m. We would love for you to join us, to come together in intercession, and also to have prayers of hope and rejoicing that God is still working and to look forward to what he's doing uh, for 2021. Uh, just a final reminder, too, men's overnight backpacking trip for the 26th and 27th. The details are on the website and on the blog, uh, just so you men can prepare for that if you want to enjoy that weekend with the guys. And lastly, uh, Easter's coming. We're very excited about Easter weekend getting to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And so just to remind you of a few services, we will be having a Good Friday service with communion at 7 p.m. Um, I think it's our 10th or 11th year meeting for the Easter sunrise. We're very excited about that. We're going to do that again with Grace Presbyterian and Legacy Anglican Church. We've been meeting with these other brothers and churches for I think it's almost 10 or 11 years now for sunrise service. And we come together as the body of Christ to worship and uh, to be together at the sunrise at 630 in the morning. And then our services will be normal for that Sunday, Bible study at nine and the worship celebration at 1030. So a lot of going on. We're excited and we're excited you're here. So let's stand and prepare our hearts to sing to the Lord. And I'm going to read from Psalms 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. 
Let us worship our King this morning.
thank you that that is our hope, our victorious king that we worship this morning, who's conquered death, hell, and the grave, so that we have nothing to fear. We're no longer bound by the power of sin. We're no longer bound by fear because of the work of the cross and the work of the resurrection and the ascension, where you are ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father, our victorious king. And we praise you this morning. We thank you for these words, these declarations power that is in them. And God, we thank you that as we declare them, that's why we can come each week and boldly come before the throne of grace and offer these petitions and prayers and prayers of thanksgiving and intercession to you, knowing that you are good and trustworthy and faithful. So God, we do thank you this week that we can lift up our gateway senior adults. Lord, we know many are still at home and not able to worship with us here in person. But God, we just want them to know that they are loved, they are missed, God, we just pray that you would continue to draw them closer to yourself. For even those that are here, Lord, just know that we desperately need them. They have such a unique place in our body and our family with such wisdom and just to love on us and care for us. And we just want you, God, to just draw them in. I know many of them we have not seen in some time. But wherever they are, God, just let them know that you care for them. You desire to continue to use them. For your purposes, with their giftings, abilities, talents, gods, for the sake of your kingdom. And we just thank you so much for them. Lord, we thank you that we can lift up different ministries in this city that we partner with. Lord, we thank you for the Montgomery Baptist Association's Love Loud River region with their food pantry bus. 
We thank you, Lord, for Jeremy Lynch and his leadership with that as they travel throughout the river region to different churches and communities each weekend to provide food for the needy, for those, for the poor, and then share the gospel at every stop. God, we pray you continue to provide for them through the food bank and different places to provide the food that they need to distribute. Lord, we thank you for fixing the bus that just had an issue the past week and was grounded for a little while. We thank you, Lord, for the repairs that were made and that you can continue to sustain Jeremy and his leadership of this ministry, reaching so many with the gospel in this community. Lord, we thank you so much for Pastor Team and Knight and our family over at Heritage Baptist Church. We pray for them this morning that you would fill Pastor Team and afresh with your spirit, God, that you would draw him to yourself as he brings the word this morning. We thank you for their ministry of heritage all over this city, reaching so many with the gospel and having such wonderful um, impact in our city and uh, in our association. We pray your blessings upon them, Lord. Continue to keep them free from sickness and COVID and that you would guide and direct their leadership and their steps, God, with the calling that you have on them in this community. Lord, we continue to thank you for new life in Christ as they meet here after us, the Hispanic Church. Lord, we continue to ask for your wisdom and guidance as they continue to search for a new pastor. We pray you give their leadership team wisdom and discernment um, through the process. And God, we pray more than anything else, God, a spirit of unity in Jesus' name that you would draw the man out, that you desire to lead this congregation to shepherd them, and that they would be unified in this effort, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you that we can intercede and lift up individuals and communities all over the world. And this morning, God, we lift up the community in Kyrgyzstan, a community that they call Sutherland, um, which is primary Islamic, but does have a few Christians. Lord, we do lift up specifically two new converts uh, that came to faith recently and that they would have amazing impacts in their families and their friends and the communities that they're in, in this predominant Muslim community, that they would share their faith boldly. And Lord, we th- for the other believers that work in a clinic in that community, um, that they would be salt and light and reaching uh, those individuals uh, through medical care, of reaching them with food, whatever it is. God, that you would uh, just do an amazing work of drawing people to yourself, that a spirit of conviction and repentance would come over the community of Sutherland. And Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and blessing us. Uh, we are so blessed with um, finances and resources. We pray, God, that you would bless the offering this morning that's given here or online. We thank you so much that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, and that you provide good things to us, that we are able to return just a small portion for the advancement of your kingdom. And Lord, thank you so much for our Pastor Grady. So excited about this new series that we're about to get into, uh, being rooted in your word. And we pray that you fill him afresh, that you give him energy and strength and wisdom and discernment as he comes to bring your word today. We love you and we praise you. And again, as we declared, God, we thank you that you are our victorious king, that we can come to you faithfully knowing you hear our prayers and that we can trust your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Gateway family. It's great to see you this morning. I'm so glad we get to gather together on a beautiful spring day to worship the Lord. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that God has given us to study his word together. Well, we're continuing in our new series that we're doing on Sunday mornings. We're calling it Rooted, Grounded in the Word. And just to remind you, the big picture, the goal of all of this is us growing together in understanding what we believe. Us growing together in our knowledge of the Bible, the Word, and what we believe. Now, we start off two weeks ago with the why question. Why is it important to know what we believe? And you saw from Ephesians 4 two weeks ago that we need to know what we believe for three reasons. We know what we believe for our own good, 
Our own spiritual maturity, our own Christ-likeness is dependent upon us knowing what we believe. We also saw we need it for our own stability. Life is hard. It is challenging in so many ways, and we need to be rooted in what we believe for to face the hardships of life. We also saw two weeks ago that we need to know what we believe, not just for ourselves, but for the good of one another. Because what we believe as we grow together unifies us, and it helps us help one another. But we also saw we need to grow in what we believe for the good of the lost. Christ has given us a mission. We need to be rooted in the scriptures to be able to live out that mission. And last week we turned to the how question. How do we grow in understanding the Bible? How do we grow in what we believe? We saw the command from Colossians 3 last week that we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That the Bible, the scriptures are to dwell in us, to live in us richly. And that involves lots of things, but our focus last week was the role of community. If we want to be rooted, it takes one another. It takes us speaking about the scriptures to one another. And last week I said one tool that we have available to help us discuss the Bible and others, something called a catechism. Now it kind of sounds scary that we're going to catechize each other, but it's really not that bad. A catechism is simply just a teaching methodology where you give questions and answers from the Scripture. And so that's what we're going to do for this year. We're going to ask a question, then we're going to run to the Scriptures to find the answer to it. And through the series of questions and answers, it'll make it easy for us to review and easy for us to discuss the Bible with one another with the hopes that the Word of Christ will dwell in us richly. You know, the catechism we're using this year is one called the New City Catechism. If you were here last week, you heard a little bit more about that. If not, visit our website, and you'll see it on the blog, why we're using this particular catechism and what it's about. If you don't have a copy yet, there's a free app of it. You can find that on our website. There's copies of the actual physical book of the questions in the back of the room here in the Resource Center, in the lobby by the office, the lobby of the gym building. We want every family to have one, and we want every kid to have their own kid's version of it as well. Friends, in particular, like I mentioned last week, the reason for this, our desire in this, is that what we do on Sunday mornings will not stay on Sunday mornings. Our heart is that as we discuss these deep questions of our faith and what we believe and why, and as we look at the scriptures, this will be a springboard for us reviewing it all week long. That's why we've given you the books, that's why we've given you the free app, is because we want you to be able to have tools in your hand to be able to review the scriptures all week long, and particularly to talk about it with one another around the dining room table at night before the kids go to bed to talk about it with your friends when you're having a meal together to discuss it in your smartest we want you to have tools to keep the word of god before you so it can dwell richly in us with that said friends we come to the very first question of the catechism this morning is simply this what is our only hope in life and death what is our only hope in life and death and friends what a great question to start this particular study with friends we have faced many trials and many hardships recently 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has been a hard year on many fronts for many of you the past year has been a reminder to us of what we saw in james chapter one when you face trials of many kinds as i hear your prayer request and get to pray with you as i know what you're walking through in life you are facing friends trials of many kinds. It looks different for each family and each person, but there are many trials that we are facing. As we face trials, friends, we need hope. And so the question is, where do we find hope? God never promised that life would be easy. So what is our hope as we walk through the hardships of this life? Now, before we dig into the scriptures to answer that question this morning, we need to understand this word hope. Because the foundational question of this study is, what is our hope? Well, friends, what is hope? When you and I hear the word hope, we often think of wishful optimism, right? You may hear this a lot, I hope my sports team will win. That is just wishful optimism. I can do nothing about that, right? Being a guy who came out of Auburn before I moved to Montgomery, my hope that Auburn will win was often just wishful optimism, right? There was no certainty, no confidence in that. We just, we have hope that that person won't quit being mad at me. I hope I can do well on the test. I hope my project at work will go well. We use the word hope very loosely 
in our conversations, to where it simply means just wishful optimism. But that's not the way hope is presented in Scripture. So as we start off this study talking about hope, we need to realize we're not just talking about some wishful, optimistic dream of what might happen. Because we see hope in the Bible, hope in the Bible is a sure confidence. Don't miss that. The way we use hope every day is very different than the way Scripture portrays it. Scripture shows hope as being a sure confidence, where you know something beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I want to rephrase our question as we think about the beginning of this day. What is our sure confidence in life and death? What is the only thing you and I can be confident in as we walk the hardships of life? Is it our circumstances? No, we can't control our circumstances, can we? People have been putting their hope that COVID would be over by now or that all these things would be fixed are grossly disappointed, aren't they? Because our circumstances don't give us hope. Is our sure confidence, our hope that every relationship we have is going to be peaceful and harmonious? No, we desire that, right? We pray for that. We seek biblically to be peacemakers. But friends, sin nature is real. In conflict, it happens. And we can try to love someone and try to seek forgiveness, and people can still hurt us in return, and people can still walk away. We can't put our hope in relationships because there will be brokenness there in this broken world. Was our sure confidence, our hope in our bodies and our minds, that we're just going to be healthy and that we're going to have strong minds? Well, no on that either, right? We're frail. We have many reminders every day of our frailness. We see it in ourselves, and again, we see it in the prayer requests that come in. Our bodies break. Our minds struggle at times. So if our hope's not in our circumstances, if our hope is not in our relationship, if our hope is not even in ourselves and our intellect or our body, what can we be hopeful in? What can we be surely confident in? Why don't you find John chapter 10 this morning in God's Word. John chapter 10. Now, for those of you who've been reading ahead in the catechism, you may already have your finger on Romans 14, right? Because if you look in the catechism book, the answer to the question they give is Romans 14, and that is correct. But we're not, we're not always going to do the same scripture that the little catechism guide has. Remember, this is a guide for us. And if you see throughout scripture, every question we look at, like this morning on hope, there are so many scriptures, so many texts that speak to it. So in a lot of weeks, I may give you a different text for us to study in here than you have in the book. Because when you get home this week, if you have the app or you have the devotional book that goes with it, you've got a lot of resources to go deeper into Romans 14 and what you see about hope and life and death there. But I want us to go to John chapter 10 this morning to see another place in Scripture that points us to where we can find true hope, a sure confidence in as we walk through life. Now, as you're finding John chapter 10, let me just remind you, this is one of the four Gospels, one of the four records of the life of Jesus. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the one story of the life of Christ from four different perspectives. And as we come to John 10 this morning, we're coming to the end of Jesus's earthly ministry. We're coming to very close to what we're going to be celebrating in a few weeks on Easter Sunday. We're coming close to Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. At this point, the opposition to Jesus is really growing here. In the context of John 10 that we're looking at this morning, the Jewish leaders are really pressing against Jesus. And they're asking him, are you really the Christ? And so in John 10, Jesus answers the skeptics. And in a very profound answer, he points us to where we can find hope. He points us to what our sure confidence can be as we walk through the hardships of life. So I want you to see what that is. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? We're in John chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 27 to verse 30 this morning. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. And as I read, I want you to be looking for what is the source of hope that we can have in this. Okay, start in John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Would you pray with me? 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word tells us everything we need to know about you and ourselves and about life. And Lord, we know right now that we need hope. Lord, I know that so many of these friends here and those who are worshiping online from home this morning are carrying heavy burdens of brokenness in their families and brokenness in their own hearts and lives and brokenness in relationships and the trials of sickness. And Lord, we could go on and on. Lord, there's so much hurt in this broken world. And I pray today that you would anchor us in hope. God, I pray that your word would be a balm to those who are struggling this morning, to those who are feeling hopeless and those who are struggling to find hope today. I pray your word would be an anchor for them, that you would root them in the one thing they can be confident in. And I pray they would leave today encouraged in Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what is our only hope in life and death? Now, in our catechism book, again, it's a guide. If you remember, there's a short answer for kids, and there's a long answer for adults. This morning, I'm going to give you a hybrid answer that's a medium length one, okay? For this morning, we're going to pull from the kid's answer, but add a little bit from the adult answer in, but not go quite as far, because we would be here about three weeks if I tried to do everything in the adult answer this morning. But what is our hope in life and death? This is what I want you to see this morning. We are not our own, but belong both in life and death to God. What is our hope? That we are not our own friends, but we belong, and we belong both throughout this whole life and into death. We belong to God. And I hope you'll see how beautiful this truth is this morning, that we can have a sure confidence throughout all this life. A confidence not based in ourselves, not based in our circumstances, not based in others, but a confidence based in God, that we belong to Him and that He is holding us. We are not our own, but we belong both in life and death to God. I want you to see this here in John chapter 10. As we go back to this text this morning, at first glance, today's text sounds like an agriculture story, doesn't it? You have the story of sheep, and shepherds, and some threat to the sheep, that someone is trying to snatch the sheep from the shepherd. Well, what we have here is an image. It's not an agriculture story. It's a metaphor. It's an image that Jesus is using. This is Jesus speaking here. These are direct quotes of Jesus here. Jesus is speaking, using this image, this metaphor, to describe who God is and describe who we are and describe how God takes care of us. And the image here is that we are sheep and that God is the shepherd. Now, friends, this is not a new image. Jesus is pulling from a very familiar Old Testament image to teach us something important here. He's pulling from an image that's found particularly in Psalm 23, one of CJ's favorite psalms. If you ever go in CJ's office, you'll see paintings of sheep and shepherds on his wall because of the vividness of this image. But Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, I want you to see this text that Jesus is pulling from. This is a psalm of David. It simply says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the rest of Psalm 23 begins to paint a picture for us of God's care for the sheep. Now, it makes sense Jesus would use this image. Remember, he's responding to the Jewish leaders who are opposing him. They've just asked, are you the Christ? And so what Jesus masterfully does here is he goes back to one of the favorite images from the Old Testament for the Jewish people of how God is portrayed. And he brings that up to teach them who God is here. There's something interesting here as we look at John chapter 10, as we go back to verse 27 this morning. There's a big shift here. Because in Psalm number 23, you have the perspective of the sheep towards the shepherd. But in John 10, it's flipped here. It's the perspective of the shepherd to the sheep. And so don't miss this, because when we read Psalm 23, our hearts really resonate with this, because it's the sheep responding to the shepherd. But here in John 10, it's a shepherd telling us about how he views us the sheep. And friends, that's very important. If we want to find hope in all of the hardships of life and hope in all the uncertainties of this world, we need to understand how God views us, how the shepherd views us, and how the shepherd cares for us. Now let's start with how the shepherd views us here. Because God's perspective on us that we are sheep is not at first glance what we think it is. 
When God says we're sheep, he's not saying, oh, look, they're so amazing and lovable and cute and adorable. I just can't help but hold them. That's not the image that's being portrayed here. When God describes us in verse 27 that we are his sheep, he says, my sheep, we are sheep belonging to the shepherd. Friends, this is not flattery for us, okay? This is not the way my little girl looks at her stuffed animal sheep. When my little girl looks at her stuffed animal sheep and they're so cute and adorable, she just wants to hold them. That's not the image that Jesus is painting for us here. If you're a shepherd and you're taking care of sheep in the field, there's two things you need to know about sheep. Number one, they stink and they're dirty, okay? And number two, that they are not very wise. They are helpless. So sheep are stinky and dirty and they're helpless. And that's the focus here, particularly in the fact that they're helpless. Because I was reading this week, one author said this, and it's really sunk into me. He said, sheep are not theoretically helpless. They are absolutely helpless. Sheep are not theoretically helpless, but perhaps in some situations they don't know what to do. Sheep are absolutely helpless. Sheep have no way to defend themselves from any type of harm that comes to them, whether an animal or a thief. They have zero defenses. Sheep cannot find green pasture on their own. Sheep can't even find water on their own. They are completely, not just theoretically, they are completely helpless in every single way. If the shepherd did not care for them, the sheep would have no hope. Now, that's important for us, friends, as we think about where we find hope, because a sheep that hopes in its own ability to find water, or a sheep that hopes in its own ability to find pasture, or a sheep that hopes in its own ability to be able to fight off wolves and thieves, is going to be a dead sheep pretty soon, because sheep are helpless. That is the image that God is painting for us here, that we are helpless. If we're hoping in ourselves, our strength, our intellect, our circumstances, and other people, friends, we are in trouble. The only hope a sheep has to survive is the shepherd's care for the sheep. And friends, the only hope you and I have as we walk through this life is the shepherd's care for us, is God's care for us. Now, the emphasis of this text I want you to see is on the shepherd more than on the sheep. We are not the center of this story. The shepherd is the center of this story. Now, when I study every week on Mondays, my very first step is something I call a structural diagram. I know we don't show these to you, but this week it really, really impacted me. I take apart the text on the very first day of the week to make sure I understand, try to diagram to see how everything goes together. So I want you to see it, Aaron, if you'll pop that up there on the screen. I want you to visualize. Hope is not in us, that little green strip down the middle. There's no hope in that. The hope is in the red and the shepherd and what the shepherd does. Now, friends, what does the shepherd do for us? Where do we find hope in this? Now, there's a lot we can say on this, but from John 10, there's three different things the shepherd does that I believe gives us a lot of hope. Number one, the shepherd adopts us. You might say the shepherd makes us his own. Look back at verse 27. The shepherd adopts us. The shepherd makes us his own. Notice how Jesus describes this here for us in verse number 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
he calls them my sheep. Maya's possession or belonging. The shepherd is saying, these are mine. They, they belong to me. I am possessing them. I am adopting them. They are part of my flock. They belong to me. He's claiming the sheep as his own. He doesn't do that from a distance. He declares there in verse 27, I know them. Because you think about it in Scripture, knowledge in Scripture is not just intellectual. We talk about knowledge in Scripture. It conveys a deep, intimate, real relationship. The, the shepherd says, I've called them. I've adopted them. They're my sheep and I know them. I personally know them. I know them by name. I know every hair on their head. I know every detail about their lives. I know their hopes, their fears, their dreams. I know everything about them because I abide with them. Friends, regardless of how we feel about ourselves or the circumstances we're walking through, we can cling to this truth, find hope in this truth, that if we are in Christ, we belong to Him, that He has adopted us and He knows us on a personal level. Friends, this is an important truth that's seen all throughout Scripture. We've seen it in some of our previous studies. You can think about Ephesians chapter 1 when we walked through that text about two years ago. In Ephesians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he notices, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for, notice this, adoption as sons. Don't miss that. We belong. We're not just belonging from a distance. He has adopted us as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. For this is strong language by design. It's the same thing we're seeing in John 10. The shepherd has looked upon helpless sheep like us and chosen to rescue us. And not just to rescue us from a distance and kind of cast us off the side, but to adopt us, to know us, to make us belong to him. We see this image in John when we studied the Gospel of John about four years ago. In John chapter 15, verse 15, just a few chapters ahead, you see the same truth. Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you what? I've called you what? What did he call us? Friends, don't miss that. This is the creator of the universe saying, My sheep, I know them so well, I call them friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And then in verse 6 he says, you do not choose me, but I chose you, the initiative of the shepherd, to make us his friends and be in relationship with us, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. Friends, we need to get to the wonder of this truth that we belong to God. Go back to verse 28 here of our text today. Jesus says, I give them, this is his initiative, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Friends, when you're struggling in the hardships of life, the starting point to find hope is knowing that we belong to God. If you are in Christ, you are adopted, you belong, and He is holding on to you. This is not our little feeble grip holding on to Him. This is Him holding on to us now and always. And that gives us hope and confidence. But there's more hope than just knowing that we've been adopted by God. There's a second thing the shepherd does for his sheep. Number two, he leads them in life. He leads them in life. The shepherd doesn't take his sheep and be like, okay, you're part of my sheep pen, now go fend for yourselves. A good shepherd takes the sheep and he cares for them. Day by day, he leads them to the pasture, to the water. Day by day, he's protecting them from the enemy. Day by day, the shepherd is involved in the sheep's life. And that's exactly what the image is here for us of how the Father cares for us when we belong to him. Go back to verse 27. Just back up one verse here. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Notice this, he says, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. God is speaking to us daily to guide us. Now, how do we hear his voice? Well, from the word of God. He's given us his revelation, Genesis to Revelation here, so that we can see who he is and how he wants to guide us. In the Bible, we have everything we need for life 
and godliness. And friends, I want you to not miss this. Hearing the shepherd and following the shepherd is not a one-time thing. It's not you do this once and you're good for the rest of your life. There's two verbs here. So I don't know, um, Aaron, if you can put the, the, the diagram back up on the screen. Okay, I like color coding here. There's only two verbs here for us that apply to us, and it's the ones in blue in the middle. My voice. Likewise, the word, the command here to follow, that's also a plural word, and that is also an ongoing present tense. So more literally, I know them, and they follow and keep on following me together. That sheep hear and follow, this is ongoing. Friends, there's so much application on that. for a lot more in the year to come of what it means to hear his voice, what it means to keep on following him. But for now, this morning, when we need hope, we need to realize that he is leading us. That he has given us his word. He's not left us on our He's shown us the path of course. He's shown us where the water is in the green pasture. He's warned us of the thieves that are going to try to come in and still kill and destroy. And he's told us that we are not free on our own to chart our own course, but we belong to him and need to follow his plan for us. So friends, there's a lot of hope for us, no matter how hard life is, knowing that we belong to God and that he is leading us every step of the way. And there's one more thing here in John 10 I want you to see where we can find hope, is that the shepherd also gives us eternal life with him. The shepherd gives us eternal life. Go back to verse number 28 this morning. In verse number 28, he tells us, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He says, I give them eternal life, life that will never end, life that is forever. Unless we get confused on what eternal means here, Jesus says they will never perish. That we will never face a judgment of sin before a holy God. We will never be separated from him because of our sin, because our sin debt has been paid, it's been completely forgiven in Christ. Friends, that means in eternal life, we get to dwell with God forever. That we get to see him in all of his glory and all of his beauty. We get to see him in heaven. We get to live a life free of pain and suffering. All these things that make life so hard that war against us, we will be free of that one day when this short life is over. And that day is certainly coming for all who have been adopted by him, who, for all who are in Christ. And when it does come, there will be no end. I love the line of the old hymn, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Do you realize that? That when we get to be with God forever in 10,000 years from now, it's just begun. 10,000 years will just be the beginning of no pain, no suffering, no temptation, no sin, just seeing God in all of his glory, in all of his beauty, being in the presence of the great I am for all eternity. The shepherd has adopted us, the shepherd has made us his own, the shepherd is leading us every day, and the shepherd promises us eternal life with him. In other words, in the shorter answer, we are not our own, but belong to him both in life and death. Now, how can we be so sure of that, friends? How can we be so sure that God is leading us every day? How can we be so sure that we really do belong to him? How can we be so sure that eternal life awaits? And the answer is quite simple, because of the character of the shepherd. The sheep put their confidence in the shepherd's care for them, and we put our confidence in the character and the nature of God. Look back at verse 28 again. I love what Jesus does here. This is a beautiful image for us and truth here. 
Jesus is speaking, I, this is Jesus saying, I, Jesus, give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Notice this, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, is this you holding on to God, or is this God holding on to you? This is God holding on to you. This is Jesus saying, I've got you in my hand. The one who spoke and the whole universe comes into existence in six days, one saying, I'm holding you. The one who healed people, as we read all the miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who healed people and raised people from the dead, says, I'm holding you. The one who defeated death himself and rose from the grave on the third day, what we'll celebrate in a few weeks in Easter, saying, I'm holding you. The one who is omnipotent, all-powerful, the one who is sovereign and ruling over all things, says, I am holding you. Don't miss it, friends. Our hope is not our little feeble grip holding on to God. Our hope is God's omnipotent, sovereign grip holding on to us. And Christ says, if I am holding you, he says, no one will snatch you out of my hand. Snatch means to take by force. He's saying there's nothing that can snatch you out of my hand. But notice Christ doesn't stop there. Look at what he does in the very next verse. He he ups at a level, if that's even possible here. In verse 29, he raises the bar even a notch here. He says, my father, so now we're getting into the trinity that we'll explore in a few weeks. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. So now he says that the father, God, is also holding us. Christ is holding us, and the father is also holding us. And notice the slight change in words here. In the previous verse, he says, no one will snatch them out. And now he says, it's not even possible. No one is even able to snatch them out of my hands. That is no one, nothing can take us from God. That means time can't take us from God. No amount of time can lapse to where God will lose us or forget about us. Death cannot snatch us from his hand. No person, no king, no army can take us from God. Satan's demons can't take us from God. Not even our sin can separate us from God. For a follower of Christ, there is absolutely nothing that can remove God's grip from us. I love how Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. In Romans 8, 35, he asks the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now he starts naming off things that people deal with in the hardships of life. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And so he's asking all these things. Life is hard. Again, God never promised an easy, pain-free life. And he's going through what Christians at the time were enduring. All those tribulations and distresses, famine, uh, wars against them, all these things, persecution. He's saying, can that separate us from Christ? Well, the answer he is implied there, no, but he makes it clear in verse 38, just a few verses later. He says, for I am sure, this is that sure confidence, I'm hopeful, this is the sure confidence we're talking about. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else you can imagine, and all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If he's holding us, friends, then nothing can take us out of his hand. And that's what he does. If you go back to verse 30 of our text today, he says, I and the Father are one. Now, there's a lot to that, but for now, Christ and the Father are united together in their will and their purpose and in their efforts to hold fast, to secure Christ's followers now and for forever. So, friends, let's bring that together. What is our hope, our sure confidence when life is hard? That we belong to God, that he is holding us, not that we're holding him. What is our hope, our confidence when death is approaching? knowing that we are not our own but belong to God and he is holding us. What is our hope for what will happen to us 10,000 years from now or us up to 10 trillion years from now? Is that we're not our own but that God is holding us because we belong to him. Friends, we are not our own but we belong both in life and death to God. Now in this truth, friends, there's a warning I'd be remiss to not mention this morning. This is not hope for everyone in the world right now. 
There's hope for those who are followers of Christ. This, is, this hope is only available for those who are God's sheep, who've been adopted, who've repented of their sins, who are trusting in Christ alone to, be their, to forgive their sins and to be their Lord, their master, their boss. Lest we miss the context of this, I want you to go back and look at verse 25, because we see very quickly that not everyone has this hope. Not everyone will believe and trust him. If you go back to verse 25, Jesus answered them, these religious leaders, he says, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But next verse, but you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. And the reality of their unbelief becomes very strong when you see the very next verse after today's text. Go to verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. So not everyone who hears these words of Christ can find this hope. There's only hope for those who will repent of their sins and trust in Christ alone as their Lord and Savior. Now that raises a question. How do we know if we're God's sheep? How do we know if we can have this hope? How do we know if this is even possible for us? As I was reading this week, I came back across a quote I saw several years ago that really resonated with me. I want to share this with you. How do we know if we're a sheep? This author says, do not look inside yourself and ask, am I a sheep? Am I a sheep? Because he knows our tendency, right? That our tendency is to kind of gaze inside. Is this this for me? Is this not for me? He says, don't keep asking yourself, am I a sheep? He says this, turn your eyes and your ears to Jesus. And when he speaks... If you are drawn to listen and follow, you're a sheep. Don't keep asking yourself the question, am I a sheep? Am I a sheep? Am I a Christian? Am I really, am I saved? Am I not saved? He says, no, turn your ears and your eyes to Jesus. And when Jesus speaks, if you feel yourself drawn to listen, if you feel yourself drawn to follow, then you are a sheep. This is the evidence that you are born of God, that you listen eagerly to his words and follow. He goes on and says, do not look for signs of ecstasy or for outward changes of circumstances. Look to Jesus. And if you are drawn to listen and obey, you are born of God, and you are a sheep of Christ. As I hope that's helpful for you. It's helpful for me. The question is, am I drawn to the words of Christ? He's spoken to us, and his kindness to us. He has spoken to us, so do we turn our eyes and our ears to him? And if we find ourselves being drawn to listen and follow, like we saw in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, my sheep follow me. The evidence that we are sheep is that we hear and we follow because he's changed our hearts. So friends, if you are a follower of Christ, you find yourself drawn to the words of Christ, you find yourself desiring to follow, though imperfectly we do this, though we need sanctifying and growing, we find ourselves drawn to want to follow him, then we can find a great deep hope that roots us knowing that God has made us, that God has redeemed us from our sin, that God has adopted us, that he holds us, that he's leading us, and that he will guide us all the way to eternity. Friends, if you are in Christ, you can say with confidence, I am not my own, that I belong to God, both in life and death. Friends, do you have that hope today? Life is hard. There's so many things around us that can make us so unstable and cause so much pain and heartache and sleepless nights. But friends, do you have confidence, a sure confidence, knowing that God is holding you, that you belong to Him, and that He will see you throughout all this life and through all eternity? Friends, if you have that hope, we get to celebrate where that hope came from this morning in something we call communion. Now, what is communion? Well, we'll get to the answer of that in question number 46 in our catechism study, which will probably be sometime into 2022, realistically, okay? But we'll get to that. But briefly right now, friends, communion is something we as followers of Christ do, that sheep do to remind us of what Christ has done, how this hope is even available. Don't you see 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, because here's where we have the command and example of communion. In 1 Corinthians 11, Jesus says, or sorry, Paul says, For I see from the Lord what I deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance 
of me. That we do communion to remember Christ dying on the cross for our sins. And Jesus continues in verse 25, in the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then in verse 26, he goes on to say, for as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For as we take communion to remind us of how we can even have hope. Though salvation and hope is free to us, friends, it came at an incredibly high cost. It came at what Christ did in dying for our sins. Friends, communion reminds us that the hope we have, the grace we have, the joy we have is only possible because of what Christ did. I want to remind us of what we already know, but we need reminding of it, and I need reminding of it. Friends, God is so holy, He cannot overlook sin. He can't be like, oh, I like him and I like her. I'm just going to ignore that sin and let it go. No, God's holiness, his perfection, his justice requires that every sin has to be paid for. If that wasn't the case, he would cease to be God. So every sin has to be paid for. And either we pay for it, which takes an eternity in hell, or Christ takes it in our place. Friends, the reason we can be confident that our sins are forgiven, the reason we can be confident that we've been adopted and we belong, the reason we can be confident that God is holding us, that we can hear his voice and that he's, we can follow him is because Christ has already taken the penalty for us. When Christ hung on that cruel Roman cross in the worst form of execution ever invented, and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you taken me? All the sins you and I, if we're in Christ, ever committed were put on him, and he felt the wrath of a holy God for what we should have experienced instead. But at that moment as well, not only was all of Christ's righteousness put on Jesus, all of Jesus's, sorry, all of our sin put on Jesus, all of Jesus's righteousness was put on on us. It was a two-way swap here. He got our sin, and we got his righteousness. We talked about being covered in the righteousness of Christ. When the Father looks at us now, when we approach his throne of grace, he doesn't see me and all my sin, and you and all of your sins that we still struggle with. Instead, he sees the holiness of Christ. We're covered in his righteousness, so he can hold us fast. He can hold us securely, because we're covered with Christ's righteousness. So friends, we take communion as followers of Christ. We take this Lord's Supper to remember that our salvation, our forgiveness, our adoption, our hope came at a high price. As such, friends, if you're with us here in person or online and you don't know that you're a sheep, so to speak, you don't know that you belong to God, when you read the words of Christ and you hear it, you don't feel drawn to it, you don't desire for Him to be your Lord, your Master, your Boss, you're not sure your sins are forgiven, that you've been adopted by the Sovereign King, then this is not a celebration for you to take. We'd encourage you just to Take this time to reflect and to pray and just to say, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. This is only for those who are believing in who Christ is and what he has done for them. But friends, if you are a sheep, if you know that Christ is holding you and the Father is holding you, that your sins are all forgiven, then you are welcome to celebrate, to rejoice in the fact that Christ's body was broken for your sins, his blood was poured out for your sins. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, some of the instrumentals will come. We want you to have a few minutes of reflection before you take this. this communion is not something we rush through just as a formality. This is, by God's design, to be a sacred moment where we pause and we reflect and we think about the body and blood of Christ. We think about His grace, and we thank Him and pray to Him. So what we want you to do is the instrumentals play in just a minute. So take a few minutes and reflect. Think about what Christ has done for you. And to pray and to thank Him for His grace, to thank Him for His sacrifice, to thank Him for what He's done, but also take a moment to say, God, is there anything in my life that I need to repent of? Are there sins that we've not been dealing with? Are there things where I'm finding my hope in circumstances or people or self and I need to put my hope in you? So take a few minutes as well to reflect on that. And then whenever you're ready, you're free to take at that point. Then I will close us in prayer in a few minutes. But let me pray for us as the instrumentalists come. Father, we are so thankful that we can have hope. Lord, life can be so hard at times. And Lord, I 
don't know how we get through apart from the fact of knowing that you are holding us. So Lord, this morning for all those who are with us in person and all those who are watching online who are true sheep, who are true followers of Christ, Lord, we pray today that you would just anchor us more deeply in that hope. God, that you would let us not find our hope in ourselves or our circumstances or in other people, but God, you would let us find our hope in Christ and in Christ alone. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we try to find hope in everything besides you. Lord, forgive us for the times that we try to find our confidence in everything besides you. Lord, I pray this morning, even as we reflect in communion here and think about Christ's sacrifice for our sins, we would see not only are we sheep who are so stubborn and so dirty and so helpless, but we would understand that we are sheep who are loved by you. And God, I pray you would root us in that truth, that you've done what we could never do, and you've come to us when we can never get to you. And I pray this morning you fill our hearts with a deep, real hope, knowing that we belong to Christ. And that we'll give you for all the praise for what you're doing in our midst, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a few minutes of prayer and reflection, and then when you're ready, take the elements. Almighty God, we want to pause right now and just simply say, thank you. Thank you seems so inadequate. When we realize the grace that you've poured out on us, 
you looked upon us as dirty, helpless, lost sheep with no hope, and you rescued us. You picked us up and brought us out of our sin. You've led us to green pastures. You've given us your word and invited us to come feast on it. You've given us your presence. You've given us your Holy Spirit within us. You've given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. You've given us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Lord, how can we say anything besides thank you? Yet those words seem so inadequate for all that you have done for us. So we ask that this morning as we reflect on, Lord Jesus, your body being broken and your blood being poured out, that, Lord, you would fill our hearts with thankfulness, not just in this moment, but, Lord, all week long, that we reflect and remember that we see your grace and all the spiritual blessings every day in all sorts of ways. You'd be turning our hearts to want to praise you and remember you all week long. Lord, I pray that all this week we'd sense you holding us tightly, holding us fast as we walk through the hardships of this life. So, Lord, thank you for your kindness to us. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying as a sacrificial lamb in our place so we could be forgiven, adopted, and held. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song this morning? If you're not familiar with it, we're going to be singing a song called He Will Hold Me Fast. It's an echo of what we just sung, that our hope, friends, is not in us clinging to God, but it's in God holding us. Let's sing about God's strong grip holding us as his sheep.
few weeks. I want us to say out loud as a declaration of what we believe together as a unified body of believers. Answer our question, what is our only hope in life and death? Let's say it together, friends. We are not our own, but belong both in life and death to God. Father, we thank you that we are not our own. We thank you that because of what you've done, we belong. And I pray for myself and these precious brothers and sisters that, Lord, that would be an anchor for us this week. That you give us a sure confidence this week with so many reminders that we are being held by you. And we will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon.